listening to Closer Look. Here in Washington, we are visiting with the United States Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Robert Wilkie. Thank you for having me, and thank you for broadcasting to my hometown in Fayetteville, North Carolina. There you go. A lot of topics concerning the VA that we can discuss here, but let's start with one that I know that really hits home yep. for you. It's a recent uh, policy changes, or more specifically, directives that govern the display of religious content at VA facilities. Yes. This is coming out of the Supreme Court decision there, so give us some background. On that? Well, let's talk about what we do at VA first. Our mission, and it comes from Mr. Lincoln, is to make veterans whole. Uh, and that means doing something beyond just the physical. The competence of our doctors and nurses is important, but the spiritual well-being of our veterans is just as important. Uh, the last administration took the Bibles out of our VA chapels. Uh, the only Bibles that you could have were Bibles that you brought in yourself. Um, I happened to walk into the Manchester, New Hampshire VA facility, saw the missing man table, and they'd placed the Bible, which was a Bible carried by a veteran of the Battle of the Bulge, in Europe in 1944-45 under lock and key. And uh, that's when I did a deeper dive on what had been going on and then visited the VA chapel in Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, my hometown, and there were no Bibles in the chapel. Um, The Bibles are back and the Bibles stay. Um, Certainly the vice president and I have talked a great deal about the Supreme Court case uh, I think uh, Justice Gorsuch's um, opinion, his, his concurrence, was very clear. Uh, just because you are offended does not give you standing to sue. And that's what we were seeing for decades here at VA. People whose goal, and I will be very blunt, uh, people's goal is to drive religion from the public square. And they're using our, our veterans as their guinea pig, and I said enough is enough. So, again, some of the specifics on the new guidelines are what? Well, that you can um, have, when you need it, access to a Bible, to the Torah, uh, anything that you need, that you you feel you need for spiritual sustenance. Uh, And our chaplains are free to preach to your needs. Um, This is not something new in the armed forces. The father of the chaplain's corps was George Washington himself. Um, The chaplain's corps has been essential to the success of the American military since day one. And it is also essential at VA since we're at the other end of that national security continuum for us to provide our, our people with what they need. By listening to you, I can tell that this is something very personal uh, I remember reading you were talking about as a kid singing Christmas carols yes. at a VA hospital, right? At the VA hospital on Ramsey Street in Fayetteville, North Carolina. There were actually, I believe at the time, there were two veterans of the Spanish-American War still alive in the hospital at the time. And we would go in and do that. That was prohibited uh, in the last administration, as well as um Sanctions would be put on people for saying something as simple as Merry Christmas. Uh, it, it is it is long past time we stop that, and it goes beyond the instances that I uh, that I outlined. Um, I supported uh, the installation of, of Native American lodges across the West. I was just in California talking about reinstating one in the Stanford area. The spiritual well-being again 
of our people is just as important as our doctors and nurses. You are listening to Closer Look. I'm Ed Lenane here in Washington. We're talking with Veterans Affairs Secretary Robert Wilkie. Let's talk uh, improving health care service and options for the nation's veterans. I know always a challenge. Congress approved what's called the Mission Act, which, among things, expands the ability for vets to seek private health care outside the VA. You like this? Oh, yes. We have to take care of the veteran's needs as that veteran stands, not as the bureaucracy would wish him to be. So what this does, it says if we can't provide you a service that you need and that you live a particular distance from a VA facility, then you have the option of going into the private sector. Traditionally, uh, VA has had between 38 and 45 percent of all of its people go into the private sector. That's been fairly steady since the end of World War II. Uh, But what we are saying is that your needs are central. And that if um, you so desire to go in the private sector, we will help you do that. Uh, The other and and just as important part of the Mission Act is the opening up for our veterans the, the option of using urgent care something that all of their neighbors have. Uh, It's our way of keeping veterans out of the emergency rooms for things like flu, cold, fever, sprained ankles. It's cost effective, but it is the right thing to do because it gives veterans access to care without the trauma of having to endure an emergency room visit. Mission is important on many, many levels, but those two are the most important. Some resistance early on, I think it had to do with fears that the VA was moving closer to privatization. You didn't agree with that. No, and and I I will say uh, it was a silly argument, and this is is why it's silly. I presented to the Congress the largest budget in the history of this department, $220 billion calling for 400,000 employees. That is a very strange way to privatize anything. And I will say on behalf of the president, this president never once in his campaign or never once in his administration ever talked about privatization. What he talked about was making the veteran the central point of a veteran's health care. And um, I could think I think you can tell by the budget that he allowed me to present. He wants VA to be robust um, and he wants our veterans to be taken care of. Here's an issue that's uh, very difficult, one that members of Congress also like to talk about, and that's prevention of suicide among veterans. You made a point recently that this is not only a VA problem, but a problem for the entire nation, right? Absolutely. It is an American tragedy. Uh, I think it all ties into what we've been talking about in this interview about uh, a longing that we seem to be missing in this country, but let's look at the facts. Every day, 20 veterans take their lives. Uh, but it's not just veterans. Uh, you saw that uh, there's been a spike in the number of suicides amongst the officers of the New York City Police Department. 30% spike in teenage suicides amongst teenagers who watched a Netflix show called 13 Reasons Why. It is a society-wide problem. It is impacting not just the United States, but all of Western Europe and our friends in uh, the Pacific, Australia, New Zealand. And we need to reach out and touch those veterans who may be on the precipice of committing a tragic act. 
But if we just focus on that tragic act, we will be doing a disservice. We need to finally have national conversation about mental health and addiction in this country and um, launch a discussion that we have never had, I think we've tried to avoid, uh, because the last frontier, certainly in medicine, is what goes on in the human mind. I know that the VA offers uh, mental health screening for those yes. who do engage with the VA. What's the percentage of vets who never make contact with the VA? Well, for the suicide, um, the the number of veterans who do not have contact with us of the 20 who take their lives is 14. In a state like Alaska, Alaska has the highest per capita number of veterans in the country. More than half of the veterans do not use VA. Now, there are some veterans uh, who have other health insurance, and they, when you come out of the military after 20 years, you have access to, to TRICARE. Um, so that, that's a, that is a population there. But um, there are many veterans, particularly in the Vietnam era, who removed themselves from, from government. The experiences of the 1970s were not pleasant. I mean, I can tell you as a child, uh, my father, senior officer in the 82nd Airborne Division, uh, wasn't even allowed to wear his uniform off post. And that's not Cambridge, Massachusetts or Berkeley, California. That's Fayetteville, North Carolina. Those are the experiences that they dealt with, and they've carried that with them all the way up to 2019. So we have to uh, do a much better job working with uh, organizations like Catholic Charities, um, state and local groups. Um, you know, Franklin Graham has got uh, a tremendous outreach uh, for veterans. In fact, he was just in, in North Carolina and Fayetteville talking about it. Um, I think when this presidential task force comes up with its recommendation, part of it will be the opening up of resources to these non-governmental groups to help us find those veterans who are, who are in need that we can't reach. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Vietnam veterans. Would this be true that a good number of suicide cases among vets are those from the, the majority? Yeah. The majority are those from the Vietnam era. So let's talk about that for a second. Lyndon Johnson left Washington, D.C. 50 years ago in January of this year. Uh, so for some of these Americans, those are problems that are now into their sixth decade. And are we going to be able to solve all of those? No. But can we do a better job of, of trying to, to reach out, search for, and contact uh, those from that era? Yes, I think we can. All right. One more on healthcare. I see that vets can now go online to join the ongoing million veteran program, mm -hmm. right? Uh, last I saw, there was almost three quarters of a million already right. signed up. This is kind of interesting to see how genes affect the health of veterans, right? Sure. That's, that's another frontier in medicine. Now, I'm not a medical professional, um, but yes, uh, some of us are susceptible to some things that uh, are the people sitting at this table uh, would not be susceptible to. I mean, we're not all uh, not all the same in that regard. Um, and gene therapy and the tracking of disease uh, through genomics uh, is something that we take very seriously here, and we think it can help us. Hmm. There's one a little bit on the personal side. I'm not sure if you would agree, but as I look at your family history and an incredibly extensive background in both military and government service, almost as if you were kind of made for this role today. Would you agree? Well, I would say that this is a great honor. Um, General Mattis said that I was born in khaki diapers. I take that as a badge <laughs> of honor. Um, 
when I was asked to do this, I immediately said yes. Uh, it's been my life. It was my father's life. My, You can see some of the pictures behind me. Um, my family has had a long history of serving the country, and um, I can think of nothing more rewarding or important than to be asked to do this. My service compared to my father and grandfather and some of those is modest, extremely modest. Um, but when you grow up in that world, um, you you are touched by um, what others do to protect the country. I, I gave a speech in California where I was paraphrasing um, a speech that had been given in the 60s, and I forget, forget who gave it, but we don't owe our liberty to the protesters, to the pundits or the professors. Uh, we owe it to the 41 million who've put on the uniform since the first shots were fired at Lexington in 1775. What would you say to veterans listening now to describe who you are and what you're hoping to accomplish during the time that you're in this position? Well, I, I'm hoping to carry out the, the president's vision that VA is not only a modern 21st century healthcare organization. Uh, we have employees who are engaged and embarked on the most noble mission in the federal government, but that we we serve as, as their anchor. And we want them to come to us. Uh, we want them to feel at home. I will say that we have the highest patient satisfaction rates in our history. Uh, they're almost at 90 percent, uh, about 89.7. And the VFW uh, just came out with its national survey, and it said that nine of ten of every ten members of the VFW are encouraging their friends who are not in contact with VA to come join us. So um, I ask uh, all our veterans to come to us um, and be part of that that family that they joined at that young time in their lives uh, when they, they entered the uh, uh, first military entrance processing station. Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Robert Wilkie. Mr. Secretary, thank you for letting us come oh, by. Thank you for having me. Great pleasure.